Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We're back for another club special additional podcast where this week we talk about West Ham United. So I am here for the first part of the pod with um with Frank. How are you, Frank? I'm not too bad, actually. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad. Um, for those listeners who are regulars, um, me and Frank are actually on the same course at uni at the moment. So that's how we've met. Um, and that's what obviously he got to tell me about how he's a West Ham fan. So I was really interested to get him on, to hear his thoughts on um, the current West Ham status, but also um, his time as a West Ham fan um, for his whole life. Yeah. So we'll start. We ask people the same questions every time, Frank. Um, so the first question, um, what made you a West Ham fan? Um, really, it's, it's family, to be honest with you. So my dad um, is from, uh, from Essex, pretty much. And his, his, his dad before him was a West Ham fan. And it's kind of an ongoing kind of tradition. It's kind of stay with the family. So, you know, obviously I, I was born into to being a West Ham fan. So it's it's kind of gone down that way. And obviously, you know, I, I West Ham till I die, pretty much. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of from the from the very beginning. So uh, yeah, yeah. I think with a lot of football fans, it either comes down to either where you're from. Where you're from, your family. family. It just tends to be one or the other, I think. It tends to be, yeah, you will support West Ham, but I, I love West Ham to death. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah. I really, I really enjoy, you know, supporting the club through highs and lows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you certainly had them. You certainly had them throughout your time as a West Ham fan. Um, talking of which, what is first of all? Uh, so, who is your favourite West Ham player of your of your lifetime support in the club? Of my, of my lifetime support, I would have to say. Mark Noble, I would say, Mr. West Ham. He is, you know, he's every time I, you know, even when I think of West Ham as a club, he is, he is the player that really stands out as, as someone who's kind of the leader in terms of in terms of the team. He's been there for like 17 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that time, and he's, you know, came through the youth youth squad and um, gone up, to, you know, to become the player that he is. And it's, you know, West Ham is pretty much like his family, so. It's um I would definitely have to say Mark Noble in terms of in terms of what he's mean what he's meant for the club and um you know who he is and you know what he's done. So Yeah, I think he's for me Mark Noble is just he's just like the sort of he just defies West Ham, I think, not he only is. in his yeah. style of play, but also just just obviously who he is as a person and sort he of is. Yeah. the fact he's been there so long. Um, and I think he is probably, in terms of his generation, one of the best players never to play for England. I think that... I, I agree with that entirely. Mm. I do think, you know, I think he should have had, you know, that opportunity to play for England. And I think he's... Sub- I mean, even when I think... Even when he does finish his career, I think he would definitely be an asset in, in terms of coaching at the club and actually, you know, giving back, you know, and, and staying in the club that way. Because he's, he's definitely... He's, he's just great for the team. Kind of, I, I can see it, you know, amongst the players and stuff. So, um, yeah, he's definitely my favourite player in that aspect. So I'll, I'll pick him as my favourite. Yeah, I agree. I can, I can see him like, so when he finishes, either you know, being manager West Ham or even just having an ambassador role and just yeah. within the club. Exactly. Yeah, either being kind of a an assistant or um, you know, just a coach, like you said, a coach or something like. I think you'd be, you know, really good. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is Throughout your time sporting the club, your favourite memory as a West Ham fan? My favourite memory? I mean, it's difficult because I kind of look back and I remember little bits, but obviously I was quite young when some things happened. So um, I look back to kind of 2006 when we uh, got to the FA Cup final in that kind of amazing, it was incredible. It was like getting there, but obviously Steven Gerrard ruined it ruining it so um <laughs> putting it in the back of the net so it's um yeah so um i would have to look i would look at that but also i think um last season when we um when we equalized with tottenham it was yeah. uh it, we were three nil down and we mm-hmm. came back in the last 10 minutes and scored three goals that for me is probably like a moment that i'll probably look back on and be like that was that was amazing especially against tottenham of course so yeah, I mean, doesn't few get much sweeter then? It doesn't get much sweeter no. than beating a rival like Tottenham and coming back. So it's you know that that is incredible. And Lanzini's goal as well. Ah, oh, what incredible. a goal! What a goal! I mean, I think, yeah. 
I mean, obviously, you're one of your best moments. Obviously, you mentioned the, the FA Cup final. Obviously, me being a Liverpool fan, that's probably one of my favourite memories as a fan. Oh, no, that, that's, that's probably, yeah, one of your favourites and one yeah. of my kind of somewhat <laughs> somewhat good memory, but also bad memory. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, people always tell me what, like, I always say that like, my favourite goal ever scored, I've ever seen scored, is, is a Gerald's goal against West Ham. I mean, oh, he's my favourite player of all time <laughs> at Liverpool. I think that... To score that goal with minutes left of the game, and the goal, yeah. goal it was—it's just, it's just. I mean, yeah. they, 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 they do call it the Gerald Finals. I think that says it all about that's, how that's it was. All, yeah, it was kind of yeah our time, but not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, looking at your current state of affairs for West Ham, um, obviously you won one nil yesterday um, against Everton. Um, you're currently seventh in the Premier League. You've played eight games so far. You've won four. Uh, drawn two and lost two with uh, 14 points uh, with a plus five goal difference, um, which is obviously built on last season where you finished sixth, two points off Champions mm-hmm. League just a year after finishing 16th. Um, in terms of your summer activity, um, you let go of two fairly um, um, like players in the club. You let go of Winston Reid and Felipe Anderson, who both left. And then you bought in Kurt Zuba for 29.8 million, mm-hmm. uh, Vlasic for 33.5, and Ariola on loan, as well as Getting Shane Daw- um, Craig Dawson on a on, on a permanent deal for two million. Um, Zumas didn't start off playing much, but he started the last four games. Um, and yeah. but on the other side, Vlasic has played bit parts, and Ariola has not had a kick yet in the Premier League. So, in terms of this season, um, how do you think it's gone so far for your boys? Um, honestly, I, I think we've I think we've done quite well. To be fair, I think obviously Europe and having those midweek games, it's kind of it is difficult because you have, you know, you have that time, that recovery time between Premier League games, and now you've got more, a lot more games on top of that, and it's, it's difficult to manage that. But I think we've, we've kind of started working, and you can see kind of a building, but you know, building amongst the team. But um, I think my main worry is kind of injuries at the moment. So obviously we had an international break, and we have a few players that are kind of, um, I think it was. Um, Crow and I think um, uh, a few players that are, I can't remember. There's a few, yeah, a few that are, are injured. So it's um, Kuf foul, mm-hmm. and um, that's a little bit worrying, kind of having some of those players injured. But I think, you know, uh, so far I think we're doing all right. And you know, I was I was happy with. I wasn't too. I, I mean, I was happy with. Obviously, I I wasn't thinking that we'd beat Everton. I mean. I think we're quite. I would say we're quite evenly matched. Mm-hmm. But um, when I saw it yesterday, I, you know, I thought we started so well. We were pushing mm-hmm. the ball about and, and you know being really proactive. But it was just getting you know finishing those opportunities. And I, th- I think Antonio is a great player. He holds up the ball really, really well. But he he's, he didn't have the greatest of games um, mm-hmm. right. yesterday. So, but um, I would really like to see us potentially have someone up front with Antonio mm-hmm. again yeah. striker I think I think that's needed yeah is anyone you saw obviously it's only what's it two two and a bit months till the window opens um is there anyone he's at the club currently or you'd like to see yourself by in January to go alongside Antonio um there's been a few rumors about Andrea Bellotti uh-huh. yeah, yeah Torino and Honestly, I would love to have him in the club. He would be he'd be absolutely brilliant to have him up front with um, Antonio. Would be great. I mean, he's kind of. I would say he looks he looks like he could be a really good you know really good finisher. So I would definitely like him alongside Antonio. I feel like I feel like Antonio is very good. He holds up and he's he's developed so much as a player. Yeah. But my problem is that. He, need, he he really needs like someone up there with him, and if he does get injured, it's it's kind of a worry for me in terms of you know having to have a backup striker. Yeah, I think that obviously you bought um, um, Spatin Hallow a few years ago, but that's obviously not worked out. So yeah. I think um, and I think Balotti, in terms of his look, looking at his stats now, looking at his um, he scored only played three games so far, scored one goal, but looking at his overall time with Torino, he scored. Um, looking at he's got 106 goals in 231 games in all competitions. So that is not bad for a league that's 
been sort of for years seen as like a league where it's hard to score. That's a pretty that, good record. So. Yeah, it's a very good record. So yeah, and I I'll think. Yeah, I just think that um, you know West Ham, even if you know, even if you don't start at both of them, I think it's good to have that depth, especially with obviously we've won both the games so far in Europe. So if you're playing Europe as well as Premier League and with Europe League being something that's everyone sort of sees as something that can distract you in the Premier League, I yeah. think that if you can have that depth and which you need in to, think, to run yeah. both Cup and League, um, to have him either with Antonio or even just alternating or. Um, one plays cup, one plays the league, or something exactly. like that. I think I, I think a backup striker and just someone because I think Ant- Antonio, I think he had a, I think I, I wouldn't say he had a bad game yesterday, but it, in terms of like, in terms of kind of holding on to the ball and kind of, kind of taking up ground, he's brilliant. He's really really good at that. But when it mm-hmm. comes down to finishing yesterday, it didn't seem to to be there. So if we can get kind of a very kind of consecutive finisher in alongside him, I think, yeah, it would be much, much better, better team. So, mm-hmm. um, And of course, your manager, David Moyes, is someone that... Yeah, Moyes um, hire. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible because that brings me nice into the next point because he was obviously, he came to Everton after a good time at Preston, had an amazing spell there. Then ever since then he went to Man U and really since the Man U job his career went on a, on a downward trajectory. I mean, look at the Societat job, look at the Sunderland job, even the first time the West Ham first time round. I mean, I'm sure I don't know whether you were saying as a lot of West Ham fans when he came back for a second spell. Maybe you weren't too thrilled. I by mean, him. I was kind of iffy about him coming back. I kind of had that idea. I thought, oh no, you know, it's just gonna, it isn't gonna go too well. But when I heard that, you know, Alex Ferguson kind of recommended him as like the manager for, mm. for Man United and said, you know, he's he's the one to take charge. And I I think when he was at Man United, I don't think he was given enough time. No, no. To adjust with the squad, and and I think that kind of played a massive part. And I think there was a lot of pressure on him to take after Ferguson and kind of yeah carry on there, you know carry on their team and actually and do something but it was it was just it was just time it feels like time for him to be fair so mm-hmm. I think he's been quite quite unlucky in that respect but um, yeah and I think with the um with the man you spell I think that uh obviously he got a six-year deal only got 11 months but look at sort of his time there he um tried to get so many players I think he tried to get Fabregas, Tony Cruz, Gareth Bale there's so many players he tried to get and obviously he couldn't get any of them so I don't know what that will happen there but of course that really has impacted. That really did impact it in terms of um, he couldn't get the players he wanted, and then the players he did have, like the old guard, like Vidic, Ferdinand, Giggs, were all sort of in the yeah. last like they all tied yeah. in a year or two of that season. So he had sort of that weird thing where he had players that were on sort of over the hill almost in their careers, and he sort of couldn't get the players he wanted. I mean, he probably should have brought back Mike Feeder, and that was probably his biggest mistake. But I do agree with you that he wasn't given enough time, and I think he's proved at West Ham that. If you give him time, if you give him that time to you know get the players he wants, get his ideas in, he's a great manager. I think he's proven yeah. that now with you guys. He's really rebuilding his reputation as a good manager. I think his business in the, in the trans windows has been amazing. Look at Suchek, Kufal, getting yeah. Lingard on loan. I mean, the players you've bought have all been, um, obviously this year has yet to, yet to be determined, but the players he's bought in so far have all been mostly a massive hit. So I think you have to praise... Him on that, on that front, he's been yeah, he's been. I mean, he he has been very very good since he since he came back to West Ham, and I can you know only praise him for getting in, getting us in the position we are now, being able to you know play European football is just it's just incredible. It's you know something I hope to see again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Frank, was um, I don't know obviously you watch West Ham a lot more than I do. Um, one thing I think I feel personally has gone quiet recently is the fans' sort of views on the the Brady, the goals, and sort of an ownership. Um, what are your views on on that? At the moment, what the state of that at the moment? The um... Um, obviously, there's a lot of um, I would say um, I you know I I remember when Brady Brady, uh, Brady and Sullivan took over the club and um, and. Uh, I remember obviously leaving the um, the bowling ground and Upton Park, and uh, there's been a lot of controversy with that. And it's for a lot of fans, it kind of feels when we did leave um, in that year, what was it, 2017? It kind of felt like you know part of 
part of the soul of the club was kind of or the mm-hmm. heart was kind of ripped out because you know we were promised kind of a stadium well promised the london stadium as kind of a um i would say a a, a, a build-up to kind of being a bigger club being you know this but honestly i i, I would much rather be at the um the old ground in terms of the kind of historical mm. context and I feel yeah. like there's a there's obviously a lot of mistrust with the fans and the owners and I think that's going to continue on and I think um, um the main side around that is that is the ground is the stadium mm. yeah and I don't know what whether you feel the same but I know I've got a friend I um that obviously lives in London so he's been to most of the, of the London stadiums and he was saying about how um, the atmosphere maybe isn't the best at that stage. I mean, you think that because of the running track, I think a lot of people yeah. think about um, sort of if you're in that part of the stadium where you are far back, some people have told me that it maybe isn't the best atmosphere, whereas yeah. the bowling ground was such a good atmosphere because it was quite sort of narrow, sort of um, smaller stadium, so it was more exactly. compact. I think a lot, was just... um, bowling was a lot more kind of, I would say, hostile, but a lot more just kind of the atmosphere was so much more, so much more powerful. But um, yeah. um, I would say that obviously the London Stadium making that transition from being, you know, an Olympic ground for running and um, going from that to a football stadium. Kind of when I first when I first game I went to the London Stadium, I was a little bit kind of like, well, it's quite far away. <laughs> the yeah, it's quite a distance. And I was kind of like, it doesn't really particularly film feel the same atmosphere as the bowling. And I think for a lot of fans, it's been difficult to adjust and get used to, you know, build up a real atmosphere at, at the new ground. So it's, it's been difficult. And, uh, but um, it, it's kind of, the disappointing thing is having such a good season last season, but not having any fans in the stadium to enjoy that season. Yeah. Yeah. That's been really difficult. And I think, especially in, you know, building up, building up an atmosphere and, and, um, and making, making it really, you know, making London Stadium, you know, really are, you know, more more um, atmospheric. And um, I also think um, with, um, in terms of like, um, leaving Upton Park and stuff, um, there hasn't, I remember, I remember watching this video on YouTube, and it was um, this guy doing it, he was doing a tour of the, um, um, what is now Upton Park, Mm-hmm. And, um, I was watching another thing, and it was um, because uh, uh, um, obviously Arsenal left Highbury like quite yeah. a few years ago. But um, at their ground, you know, Highbury, they'd actually, even though there's kind of flats there, they've kind of kept parts of the stadium. So yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like, well, it's not parts of the stadium, but the um, the actual ground, they've kind of incorporated parts of the ground into the architecture mm-hmm. of the buildings. Yeah. So, you can really see kind of it's still you know you you would still know it was a football stadium and you know right yeah it's kind of even the center part where the pitch is has been they've made it into a garden so it's okay. kind of really kind of you know really kind of um well you know really kind of respectful to you know the club and and, and stuff like that but um when i saw um west ham obviously up some park yeah they pretty much turn that all into flats and there's, you know, there is, there's, there's literally hardly any garden and they said right. they're going to do a, a memorial bench, which um, to me doesn't seem like <laughs> the kind of, st- I mean, you could literally walk in that garden and basically think, you know, you know, was there a football stadium here? Was there a football club? Yeah. Here? You know, you wouldn't know that's, you know, and that's the thing I have about, you know, I would, I wish they'd kind of done something a bit more respectful when leaving the club and, you know, done something for the fans, you know, for people, because it's been there for a hundred years. So, you know, something really kind of that can stand there and, and people can, people can, you know, their relatives can come and visit it and, mm-hmm. you know, just enjoy it. So that's disappointing. Yeah, it's a shame because I've been to the um, the new Tottenham Stadium for orbit for the NFL, but I went on a stadium tour, and there was and obviously parts of the the, the sort of the the marble ground that you walk on, whether mm. you, whether you go whether you're going for a wee, whether you're going to get food and drink, 
parts yeah. of that are parts of White Hot Lane, so they kept that. I think they've they, yeah, exactly. Kept that there. Like with Arsenal, what you think about the Arsenal flats as well, and I think that's yeah. a real shame to hear that West Ham Stadium hasn't been done the same way, and I think that's a shame no. for you guys because that was in that was for me when it was open one of the, one of the most underrated but best atmospheres in a stadium in the I, whole I of the country. Agree so, with um, that. And yeah. then with, with like I was saying with Highbury, they still have the colours of the actual um, the uh, the stands, and they still have parts of the stands uh-huh. connected with um, kind of incorporated into the actual flats. So it you know you it, it and it has obviously like um, Arsenal kind of logos on the floor and stuff and everything. So it's it's just uh-huh. it's just it, it's just being thoughtful of kind of the history of the club and stuff. Uh-huh. And I feel like. With West Ham fans, it feels like Sullivan and Gold have kind of just thought, well, we're to sell the stadium to to anyone, and they can just build whatever they want over it. You know, it doesn't really yeah. matter. It's kind of if this feels incredibly soulless, and I think that's what West Ham fans are kind of, you know, they they really feel like they, you know, they have a lot of mistrust with the owners and I, you know, I totally understand that. And I filmed that myself because I, I love, you know, going to Upton Park was, like I said, was brilliant. It was, it was just, it was just the atmosphere and also the local businesses around the area um, of Green Street and, and everything. And, you know, um, the person selling the, the, uh, what was it? Kind of the, uh, the football magazines before the game and stuff and, and all the local businesses. And it just feels like, it feel like part of that has been kind of just ripped away. So, you know, yeah. even though I'm happy that we're we're obviously settling into this stadium, there's still, I think, for, for all West, most majority of West Ham fans, there's still that part that's like, I wish we could have stayed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, time of recording, um, you're due to play Europa League on Thursday before a clash against Tottenham or on Sunday at two o'clock. So, in terms of the, the Premier League game, uh, Bothy, by the time this podcast comes out, this game would have been finished. Um, but what are your thoughts of this game and going ahead to on Sunday? How are you feeling about... Because Spurs, obviously, they beat Newcastle yesterday, spoiled the St James's party. They, Kane got his first goal of the year, which may mean he may go on and run now. Um, how are you feeling ahead of this game on Sunday? Because it's quite a big game. I mean, you're not far off the top four, and Spurs obviously want to try and get back in that conversation. So... It is quite a big game. So, how, how are you feeling in terms of ahead of that game on the Sunday? Um, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm feeling extremely confident, but uh-huh. I think it's going to be a case of obviously we're playing we're playing Genk in the Europa League, so that's going to be it's going to be. I honestly think in terms of I think the injuries have made had a massive impact, and I think there's always that worry that you know. We're not going to have all of our, you know, players like Kufal. He's made such an impact. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Season. I mean, last season he wasn't. He didn't seem like he was. He's as good. But this season he seems like he's he's come bas- massively back into it. And we obviously we have um, Corral as well. So um, it, there's a little bit of worry there, but I I still think we can turn out results. So mm. yeah. And obviously um, Tottenham are Tottenham are striding forward at the moment. It seems, mm-hmm. you know. I won't say Kane has been in the best of form, but you know, um, obviously Son's getting goals. <laughs> yeah. Really, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, Kane's goal on Sunday was such a great finish. I think, um, I think mostly it's been another thing was Kane years ago where he couldn't score a goal in August, but then once he did score in September, he would just be flying. So for you guys, it may be a worry for you guys that he may, you know, this goal may help build his confidence. But we are going to do a more positive. Uh, talk towards the end of the, of this of this part of the podcast. Yeah. Um. So, like with every guest, I want to get from you your starting eleven of the best players you've seen in your lifetime sport in the club. So you can't have people like Bobby Moore or someone you saw before yeah. you were born. So, yeah. so, and I'm going to let you choose the formation. The formation is entirely down to you. So it's um. So I'll let you go. Um. So first of all, what is your formation and who is your goalkeeper? Um. So for my goalkeeper, I'm going to have Fabianski. I think mm-hmm. he's a brilliant. Um, I think he's been really good since he's come to the club. And, I've, you know, in terms of goalkeepers I've seen in my lifetime, I would definitely have him have him up there as um, in my, my starting eleven. And my formation, I've gone for a 4-3-3. So, um, four in defence, three in midfield, and then three up front. 
Fantastic. Um, so who was your right back? Well, right back, I've gone for Kufal. I thought, okay, you yeah. know, I think I think he's definitely come in this season and done really, really well. I think, um, you know, he's definitely he's definitely improved. I think last season he didn't seem to didn't seem to be doing as well, but um, he's definitely come around this season, and I'm, you know, I definitely think he's a great asset. And on the other side of the pitch, who's your left back? Um, I'm going to go for Aaron Cresswell. Because I think he's um he's been he's been pretty good since he's been at the club and he's um obviously he, he he's he's actually not too bad at scoring goals either so he's 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 um he's kind of he's kind of been universal in that sense he's you know he can get up the field and also you know defend and he's kind of a mixed mixed player so he's I think he's been really good. And then who are your two centre backs? So um, my first centre back. I'm going to have um, Ogbonna, obviously scoring the goal yesterday. I, I have to have him in the team. Yeah, I think he's been he's been really really good for the club. I think he's he's definitely he's definitely a strong defender, and I you mm-hmm. know I definitely rate him in terms of in terms of in terms of the other players we have. I think he's he's definitely a standout. And uh, next to him, I have um, the legendary ginger monster, James Collins. <laughs> I have yeah. to have him in there. I have to have him in there. He's he's just um, you know, I've 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 seen him at the club so many. Well, I've witnessed him so many times in games, and he's just he is just like a, a leader of men, pretty much. Like I've, when I've seen him, he 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 yeah, he's kind of um, he's just so brave as well because he you know he just runs in, runs in there, mm-hmm. you know, um. He isn't afraid to get stuck in, so I'd definitely have him in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I've actually met James Collins in, in a nightclub a few years have ago you? now, I think. Yeah, so I've met a few, but I've, I've, obviously I've fist bumped Leddy King, I've shook hands with people like Joe Allen, um, Jamie Carragher, uh, Luis Garcia, but James Collins has the firmest handshake I've ever seen. When I shook his <laughs> hand, it was like he was breaking like... my hands off. It was, uh, <laughs> he's, it was a a he's a pretty tough guy. He's a pretty tough guy, to yeah. be fair, I think. He's, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah he's, um... it was... Um, yeah, it was seemed like a quite. I mean, I didn't speak to him for long. Same with people like Hennessy and Joe Ledley, but yeah. Um, yeah, from what I saw, he seemed like a really sound guy. But yeah, that handshake was it's, was pretty yeah. fierce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he definitely seems. And you know, he's definitely part of part of West Ham. When you know, when I remember him, he's 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 great. So I'll, I'll definitely have him in there. Fantastic. And then, um, what is your midfield looking like? My midfield, I've gone for Suchek. So I've got him on the on the right side, but um, yeah, I think he's been absolutely outstanding at West Ham. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's had a few games. Um, I mean, race recently hasn't been in a in the best form he can be, but I think you know he's he's just been he's just been a, been really good in terms of just being that plays just mm-hmm. in the midfield in, in kind of the centre midfield bit, but just kind of picks up the ball is able to get the ball downfield and potentially create stuff that's mainly about, you know, just picking up the ball and, and, and taking, you know, being that tough centre midfielder. So Fantastic. And the other two I have, I'm going to have um, a creative player for um, centre midfield. So mm-hmm. I've gone for Dimitri Payet. Ah, yes. Definitely. When he was at West Ham, he was absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have, you know, anything bad to say about him in terms of how in how you know how talented he was and what he was able to do. So I'd you know mm-hmm. definitely have him in that midfield. Very, very good player. Yeah. And, and next to him I have uh Declan Rice. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's obviously an outstanding player for West Ham. Mm-hmm. He's you know youngster um kind of came through the youth youth squad and um obviously performed well in um in the uh World Cup. Well the, the Euros I meant and um, he's just really, he's just incredibly talented. He's young, and he's he's just he's just done very very well. And I hate to say it, um, how long do you think he'll last at West Ham before he moves? That, on? I knew I knew that question was coming. <laughs> I knew that one was coming because I was I, I was thinking about I've, I've you know I've heard I've heard rumours obviously about Chelsea, about other clubs potentially coming in some something like hundred million or something like mm-hmm. that. And I've heard all these kind of rumours, and I. And I'm just, I'm just in that mindset. Where I'm like, I really do not want him to leave at all. I, I just think, you know, it's, it's sad. I mean, even in the scenario when I talk about another club, when I, you know, talk about Aston Villa and I talk about Grealish, and I think, you know, 
he he really felt part of that you know Aston Villa squad in terms of like obviously growing up in the area and but the fact that a bigger club can just come along and just grab that player and just you know it I just think it would show a lot of weakness getting rid of him and also in terms of like you know building up a team it doesn't really show a lot if we get rid of one of our best young players and potentially one of England's best young players so it you know I'd definitely um I just yeah I'd I don't want to think about it to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I can I can imagine. I mean, I think someone like Man U is, is a good chat as well. I think they're a team that do does need someone in that position. I think Rose would be perfect for them. But I think that for me, if someone comes in for if Man U or Chelsea or anyone anyone else comes in for with a hundred million pound bid, it's very hard to say no. But you got to look at Villa so far since Grealish has left. Yes, they've bought all these players like Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, Wendia, but they haven't looked quite the same without Grealish. I think. Um, so the same, it'd be the same thing as Rice if he leaves in terms of what he does for that West Ham exactly. team it's exactly kind of, the thing without Jack Grealish it's it's kind of filling that gap and you think you know he's he's so young himself you know he's only getting better he's getting improving more and more and you think who I mean you could buy obviously buy a really good player for, for, for quite a bit of money but in terms of someone who's young and just getting better and better and better you know there doesn't seem much point you know, yeah, especially when no. you're building a team. Well, you know, only look at Spurs and what they did with the Gareth Bale money, um, how teams can waste, waste the money they get. Exactly, it's, it's not always a guarantee. If you got the money, it's not always a guarantee you're gonna you're gonna do well with it. Um, Absolutely. So, who's your friend three? Who, who's your um, who's your My friend three? Friend three are throwbacks, but I wouldn't say too much of a throwback. <laughs> yeah. Um, my front three, I've gone for Dean Ashton. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's a, he's a West Ham legend, and obviously he's kind of extremely talented striker. But obviously mm. his career ending in terms of injury, so that's quite saddening. Obviously, yeah. I think he was um, I don't know where I think he was training for England or something, and he got injured during a yeah. Training. That rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, and that that kind of from then on, yeah, he wasn't able to play, so that's quite sad. But extremely talented. Mm, very. And um. In terms of uh, being in the middle, I've gone for Carlos Tevez. Okay, well, has he got Ashton on, on the right of the three? Is that right? Yeah, Ashton on the right, yeah. And Tevez then in the Carlos Tevez in the middle. I'd have yeah. to go for him. I mean, he's he's definitely, you know, in terms of West Ham history, he definitely rings a bell. And, you know, mm. um, I can't remember that season, but it was um, when we were playing Man United. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of a great escape in terms of, Avoiding relegation, he played a massive part in that. And even though it's yeah. like not winning the league, it's like surviving mm. and being part of that is just, yeah, just incredible. An incredible signing as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know, him and Mascherano, crazy. Yeah. It's amazing how, like, obviously, Tevez came in in that 06 7 season and he was like uh, amazing for you. But then Mascherano, I don't think he played much, did he, for you guys? He didn't really get, yeah. and then he joined he us. Really and... No, I think that was, yeah, it's Pardew. I think. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. He didn't really get, I don't think he got as much game time as Tevez yeah. did. And it, it kind of seems a bit mental now. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah um, really, extremely talented player. Really, really good. And then finally, who was on your left of your front three? On my left, I have to go Paolo Di Canio. Oh, of course, of course. Master, absolute genius. Mm-hmm. Incredible player, incredibly talented. Yeah, a bit of a nutter, a bit of a loose cannon, <laughs> yeah. but um, definitely inc- incredibly talented player. And you can only see that with his goal against um, Wimbledon. That volley, just like crazy. yeah, fantastic, mate, amazing. So I'd have to have him in there. Right, so that is your team complete. That's my so, yeah, that's my best. Um, so eleven. Frank has gone for Fabianski in goal in a four-three-three formation. Um, you've got Kufal, Ogbonna, James Collins and Cresswell. Your midfield is Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek and Dimitri Payet with um, Dean Ashton, Carlos Tevez and Paolo Di Canio uh, in the mid-defence three. So that does conclude our podcast, our West Ham special part one. Um, so thank you, Frank, for being on, first of all. That's no problem. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Andy. No problem at all. And before we go, I'm going to let you plug your social media. Oh, yes. I'll just get that up, actually. Um, so, um... On Twitter, it's uh, Frank um, Willett, 
I double L E T one. So Frank Willett one. And um, on YouTube, it's uh, Frank's Boxing Review. So I'm okay. going to I do a lot of stuff to do with boxing and kind of highlight videos and stuff. So I'm, I'm going towards that. So um, definitely subscribe to that and uh, follow my Twitter account, which is Frank Willett one. Fantastic. Yeah. Anyone listening, do give them a follow on both Twitter and subscribe to him on YouTube. But yeah, that is part one and we'll see you in part two. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We are back for part two of our West Ham special. And our second guest in this podcast is none other than presenter slash radio host slash podcast host, uh, Nat Coombs. How are you, mate? Good to be here, mate. Who was, who was uh, guest one? Was it, tell me it was Ray Winston. I, I was, <laughs> it was just my um, course mate from uni. He's a big West Ham fan as well. So, um, loving that. Yeah. He's good about yeah, but he, I mean, he's buzzing on the on the group chat on the weekend after um, a certain result I don't want to mention. Oh, I think we should start with that. We're leading off with that. In fact, I think we're spending the whole show on that, are we? That's what you yeah. told me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, fair play. I mean, I actually missed the game because I was on a train to Milan at the time. But from what I heard and what I saw from the highlights, it does sound like... It was probably the, the the right result. I don't know whether you I saw think it. So. I did. I had a slightly weird one. So I'm a season ticket holder. But um, as you, you mentioned, I guess, in the intro, I do a radio show on Sunday. So it's been quite difficult this season. It's great that we're doing well in the Europa League. We have all these Sunday games. And if it's a slightly earlier kickoff, I can usually make it. Uh, you know, if it's two o'clock or something on Sunday, I can usually whiz on over afterwards. Um, but this obviously was a, was a later kickoff, so I couldn't. Uh, so... On top of that, our radio show, where we're normally on air at five o'clock, was delayed because they had a live rugby game before us, so we went on air till gone six thirty. So I watched the first half, and then I drove to the studio because I live only about twenty minutes from Talk Sports Studios, and listened to the five live commentary for the second half, half of the second half, and then, and then caught the end of it. And of course, it was all kind of wrapping up uh, as we were just about to go on air, right? So I had a kind of mixed. Uh, consumption of it all. First half, I think the, the, the goal was, the, the first goal was fair. I don't think Allison was was unduly fouled. I know Klopp was money about that, um, but I think it was a you know I think it was a fair call. Uh, the free kick, I actually didn't. I wasn't wholly sure that that Declan had given uh, given away a free kick, but you know uh, looking at back. Uh, and equally, I'm in kind of various different chats and everyone was telling me to shut up and it definitely was. And why does Rice keep giving free kicks away in dangerous areas? And that's his weak link. You know, he's had a, an amazing, amazing season again and piling in. Um, I mean, brilliant, brilliant free kick, of course. Fabs couldn't have done anything with that whatsoever. Slightly, could the wall have been stronger? Maybe, I don't know. Um, at, at that point, I thought there was only one winner. I thought, right, because you were dominating possession, I thought we'd, we'd screwed now. But, this is this is why West Ham are so different this year. Not just the fact that we were resilient, but the fact that we were confident in going at you and taking you on. And it's credit to what Moyes has built. I think the not just how difficult we are to break down, but also how potent we are when we come forwards. And you know, which of course is the, is the is the game plan, right? The optimum game plan. It's a really really well balanced side. Yeah, just for me, the West Ham side right now feels has shades of that Everton team he built mm. in sort of the mid noughties a team that came oh so close years for years and years of trying to get top four. And I think that yeah, um, I don't know whether you won many West Ham fans that probably were slightly hesitant when he came back for a second spell, but he's proved everyone wrong completely. I I have to say, mate, and I I get many things as you well know working working you know with us on the on the NC show. I um get many things wrong regularly <laughs> all kinds of uh takes wrong as, as we all do um but particularly i do but i that was one of my few things i think i've, I've called right i was a big fan of Moyes the first time around so when he got reappointed i was gutted he lost the job in the first place mm-hmm. and then i was very comfortable with him being appointed again and there are a couple of reasons for that the first was well, I guess an ex- extension of what I've just said, I-, I think he is one of those managers that has a really clear sense of purpose and-, and is able to communicate that clearly to players. Now, every manager will tell you, of course, they've got a game plan and a strategy and most probably have, although I don't think it's a given everyone has. Then you've got to look at how 
well that's communicated and the players understand that. And then you've got to look at the personnel combination therein, right? And it's, it's something that I think is underestimated. So, for example, I won't name names here, right? But I was talking to a professional basket player the other day who he plays in the BBL. I, that, you know, I do the BBL coverage for Sky. And he plays for a team. And he said, our head coach was trying to uh, implement a particular defensive concept and no one was getting it. And then recently they had a new coach that has joined from an NBA team, who's come over to the, to the British League, who was coaching at an NBA team. And he said, within minutes that like, we got it. We're, like, we're in the film room, uh, straight away we got it. It's the same concept, but this coach in that particular instance was able to communicate clearly to the degree the players understood it. So even if a manager or coach, whichever the sport, has a sense of vision, and, and maybe this is happening with Man United right now, I don't know. I don't know. I don't study it enough to know. But, but the players don't get it or don't understand it or just don't want to do it, then, you know, there's a problem. Moyes always struck me as a, a manager that has that, like like Simeone, uh, like Klopp, uh, you know, a, a really clear identity of how he wants his teams to play and what they're supposed to be doing. And you look at West Ham in the first incarnation to a degree, or his first stint, and now the players really understand what they're meant to be doing. And it sounds such an obvious thing for any team to aspire to, but you realise when you see it, suddenly as a West Ham fan, how many years we haven't, we've never had that. So, uh, you know, not for a long time. So, you know, I was always confident that if we could get in the third part of the equation, as I say, is the personnel, you get the personnel bit right. You know, Simeone is great, or Klopp's great. You've got to have the players that can do that, right? And, uh, and, he, and he's got those as well. I mean, the, the recruitment has been nothing short of spectacular. I mean, I would, I would argue West Ham's recruitment in the last couple of years has been better than any other team in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean... Value and, and value versus, you know, or rather cost versus return. Yeah, and I think I think you're right there. I think for the players they bought, I mean, Suchek wasn't much money. Same as players like Kufal. Also, Antonio's improved yep. in the Moyes. Um, and obviously, Cresswell's been good as well. Zuma's, Zuma's a great buy. I mean, Zuma's yeah. a player. Oh, you know, he didn't work out. Chelsea's had a second tier. You know, all these players, particularly that level, right, who are not, for whatever reason, haven't worked out in an elite club. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's because they're not able to play at the highest level. But it's just situation. You know this from the NFL, right? Situation's everything. And I love that recruitment process of buying a player like Zuma, who's, what, 27, who's clearly a baller who, you know, you get him for whatever we, 20 odd million, which I know is an obscene amount of money in the real world, but, you know, football terms is, is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're buying low with a high ceiling. And if players like that can come together, uh, then you, this, is what, this is why West Ham is, is rolling right now. Those different combinations, those, yeah, value players, like Suchek's incredible. Um, even, you know, even players like Ben Johnson, who's now coming into the side as a young player, who just ha- he has someone like Declan, who he knows well, has been around, but is uh, Declan Rice is phenomenal. I mm. mean, he's just phenomenal, and so he can steer him, guide him. He's going into a team that's playing with confidence, understands his role in the team. He, you're going to more likely get some real upside from him. Whereas if he's going into a struggling team, and you know, it, it's just like the NFL, isn't it? It's just like you know, <laughs> you throw a rookie quarterback into a sh- into a rubbish situation, you know. <laughs> What do you expect's going to happen? Yeah, I think this was Moyes as well. I think that one thing he didn't get at Man U or Sossi's out for that matter was time. And I think, obviously, mm. he's been given time to get the players he wants to, as you say, to sort of um, put into his system, his systems into the team, what he wants. And, and it, it's mm. really working. And I think that, um, you could, obviously, last season you had an amazing year. Um I think it was your highest ever points total in Premier League history. We seem to be this season be even better. So it's um Yeah. I think Well our highest ever finish in a top tier is the eighty five, eighty six season when we came third, which is pretty much the first season I remember, with uh John the great Johnny Lyle and you know McAvenny and Cotty, who, you know, are legends, both of them and one of the proudest moments of, of my life, I think, and the biggest achievements to, in my career has been that uh, both Frank McAvenny and Tony Cotty follow me on Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, wow. That, I don't really need to do anything else ever again. That they, you know, that is uh, that is the high point. But it was a brilliant team, and and this is close to it. I think we could. I think we could very. You know, this really 
annoy me on Sunday when on the, and I got massive respect for the five live five live comms. I think it's, it's, they're a brilliant crew. Um, but the, at one point it was asked on commentary, Oh, well, I mean, you know, Chelsea and uh, Man City are going to be looking at this result as it stands right now. And I think this is when we were three, one up and they're going to be thinking, Oh, thank you very much. West Ham. And I'm thinking, well, what about, why are we not title contenders? We, you know, I, I get that we're still be the long shots in that in that picture, but you can't not look at us as uh, as title contenders now, right? Uh, that's not double negative. It's confused the hell out of everyone. Uh, <laughs> you have to look at us as title, con- as title contenders. Maybe we're the long shots, but we've just beaten Liverpool. We beat City in the cup. We're third in the table. We're rolling. So why are we not? Well, we've helped Chelsea out. It's a really pat- usual patronising dialogue towards West Ham. Yeah, and I think you've got to look as well. When Leicester won the league, I mean, this time of year, right? people were saying the exact same thing. They were saying, oh, Leicester are doing well now, but they'll, um, you know, they'll, at some point in the season, they'll mess up. And they, they never did. So mm. I think that with West Ham, whilst I think the likes of Chelsea and City are going to be too, way too strong for West Ham overall the season. But I think in terms of that, that full spot is wide open. I mean, yeah. through the man you were expected to be involved. They've been very inconsistent. Uh, yeah. Leicester as well, same thing. Arsenal been improving, but they're Arsenal. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, in terms of top four, I think that's very much within grabs. And I think that the way you're playing, I mean, the way Moise set you up, the way the team's playing and seems to be playing for him as well. I think that mm. absolutely. And I think that result on Sunday really shows to, I think, everyone that yes, this team can compete with a team that's just been, I said to go Madrid 2 0 at home and we've won all our mm-hmm. games in the Champions League and you've just gone and beaten us 3 2 at, at um, the London Stadium. I think that mm. that sends a message, I think, to the whole footballing world that, that West Ham are, are serious contenders. Um, you mentioned I love before, about that. I love the fact you called us serious contenders, but I particularly love the fact that in all of the other contenders that you mentioned, you didn't mention the Spurs. No. <laughs> I love that. Let's not kid ourselves, Spurs. Come on. No, no, I think they amazingly lost this. They won their first three games of the year, and they, I think, Nuno got manager of the month. And since then, that Palace loss, it just seems to. Did he get was he manager of the month? I'd forgotten. I that. think he oh. did. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's amazing how it's gone from that without winning, winning against top, um, City on the opening day without Kane to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Four months. God, I'd forgotten that. I think it's a goldfish memory we have these days. But yeah, I'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, they beat City on the opening day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy, isn't it? Um, you mentioned before the 85-86 season was when you saw yeah. first um, start falling, falling over with the club. So mm. what made you a West Ham fan in the first place? My sister is the, uh, is the reason. Uh, I have two sisters, the one closest in age to me. Uh, I'm the youngest of four kids. Uh, she's, the, she's the reason. Um, uh, it was just kind of gradually as I fell in love with football, just more and more and more. Okay, this is gonna this is gonna be the way that I'm going. I had no real idea of how dismal and painful a run it would be. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way though. Yeah, fantastic. And in terms of your memories at the scene as a child as an adult supporting the club, is there mm. a particular moment that stands out for you um as a great of the best memory you've had supporting West Ham? God, there are there are a few. I think the so I've got season tickets again this season. I didn't for a long time because uh, I had them up to park for, for quite a few years. My sister and I did. We used to go together and then, you know, work really took over. And, you know, the nature of, of what I do means it's, you know, it's quite difficult to, um, you know, particularly when I was doing more football. I, 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 again, as you know, but maybe listeners aren't aware, I mainly do American sports, right? So well, that is complicated, but uh, a little bit easier. Um uh, and when my kids were really little, it was they were too little to go to games regularly. But I thought, well, when they're big enough, that's something I've always wanted to do. So I bit the bullet this season and bought season tickets. So already, I think we're making some great memories this year from for everything we just said and how well we're playing. And, and the fact I'm enjoying this ride with with my two boys, which is really special. Going further back, I think two or three things really stand out in no particular order. I remember going away to Reading on New Year's Day. This would have been the Pardew era uh, when we had Marlon Harewood and, and co. The cup final team, basically. And we got beaten 6-0. And um, it was amongst the most fun I've ever had at a game, as, as often the way when you're with away fans. You, you probably don't know what it's like as a Liverpool fan to be beaten 6-0. But uh, it, this Reading fan was uh, quite near the away enclosure and was holding up as more and more goals went in, he had 
numbered cards. So it was 4-0, and he was sort of giving it, and then 5-0, and he didn't have a 6 with him. So he had to do this rubbish, handwritten <laughs> 6. So got, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, um, a frisky response from, from the West Ham faithful. Um, so that was fun. I remember Tebez's first goal at Upton Park, his first goal for West Ham against Spurs, which was a phenomenal goal, phenomenal moment. Tevez is one of my all-time favourite players. He scored against Spurs, having not scored for nine or ten games. And uh, a brilliant goal, ripped his shirt off, dived headlong into the crowd. I mean, just an absolute legend. And Tevez, again, with the goal that kept us kept us up against Man United. I was on a stag do that weekend, and it was on the Sunday. Um, and I was incredibly hungover and as it was everyone on the stag do and it wasn't my stag do by the way but it was their stag do <laughs> and uh, we all watched it and with quite a few Liverpool fans quite a lot of my mates on that are Liverpool fans actually and so they were delighted that United were getting beaten and at no point did I think we had any chance of beating United and Tevez scores that goal and we stay up and uh, it's seminal so those those three probably kind of stand out for me and is there sort of would that goal be your favourite um, sort of goal as a West Ham fan in your life? Is there like a particular goal for you that stands out? Mm. Um, like yeah, there are a few. Goal? There was a player when I was a kid called Stuart Slater, who was a winger. Uh, you're probably too young to remember him, but Slater was a winger who played for us. It's when we were typically flip-flopping between the top flight and the, and the, and the second tier. Uh, so, that, you know, he played in like the mid-90s, but early, early mid-90s. And he was a winger with us. He went to, he had a time at Celtic as well. And, uh, Ipswich, I think we might have either gotten through Ipswich or he went there. Um, but he was a proper old school winger. Um, and when I played, I, well, as you know, I still play now. I'm a yeah. fighter as a keeper. But um, but when I played as a kid, uh, I only ever played on the wing. Or, or actually, that's not true. I played up front at times. But I was basically a winger. I was never, I wasn't particularly good, but I was fast and I could shoot. Um, and I learned how to cross. So I was put out on the wing and I didn't, I watch my kids play now. I coach, actually, I coach my um, my eldest team and I watch these kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, and just all these unbelievable tricks. And, you know, I literally, all I had was, I'm going to knock it past you and beat you because I'm faster. <laughs> That's all I had. And Stuart Slater was far more uh, a very diverse player than that. But he, um, uh, but he would often do that. He would, you know, old school, unreconstructed winger. I'm just going to knock it past you and bomb down past you. And so as a kid, you know what we're like when we tend to get drawn to players that are like us or we think we're like. Uh, so I always love Slater. He scored some blinding goals. Um, uh, he was brilliant. Um, I think uh, other goals, I suppose, of yeah, the, the cup final ones against Liverpool are special. The Kaczewski one was amazing because he... he I mean, just for Kaczewski to do that was was brilliant. And I really thought when that went in, we yeah. were going to take it all. Um, uh, yeah, those those stand out for sure. I'm sure I think the Slater one was against. The West Ham fans will be listening again. Oh, God, I think maybe it was against Ipswich. It was just a just a brilliant, brilliant. Uh, oh, Sunderland was it against? I'm just looking it up now. Oh, was it the one against Everton? Yes, it was against Everton in the Cup. Incredible. Look that goal up. Uh, Slater, Stuart Slater, a goal against Everton. It's amazing. And we are going to ask you in a minute, we have asked you to compile your um, starting eleven. But before we do that, um, who would you say, uh, of all the players you've seen in your lifetime sport in the club, who's mm. been your favourite? Mm. Well, let me think. I It's hard to pick one. I mentioned Slater, I mentioned Tevez, so I'll give you another name, and McAvenny, of course, and Cotty. Um, I'll give you another name. I would say that one of my favourite players, well, okay, I'll give you two. I Neither were the best players to play for West Ham, um, by any stretch, um, but in different ways, really represented what we're about. And uh, both cult heroes, for sure, and just consummate pros that I, because of the era that I supported the team and the affinity that you have with players of that era. I mean, I look back and of course the Bobby Moore is, you know, my all time footballing hero and Billy Bonds, but for, for players that I've seen and that in my lifetime of watching them, uh, I'd say Thomas Repka. Mm -hmm. Do you remember yeah. Repka? Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Very, I mean, 
very early on in my footballing life, but yeah, I do remember him. Was, it, was, he, was, he, was he Czech Republic? Yeah, if it turns yeah. out that Subchek is, is Repka's son, <laughs> I would not be at all surprised. Uh, Repka was just a no-nonsense, no-nonsense defender, just a nutter who was not the most talented, but, I mean, completely no messing around. And Christian Daly, they had a... They had a cult. West Ham fans listening will know exactly what I'm talking about. A, a cult partnership, and the, the fact that we look, we love. I'm sure you're the same. You've probably seen a lot more talent as a Liverpool fan, but we have um, we have a lot of affinity, I think, as fans for players that just give everything, right? And Repka undoubtedly did that. So Repka would be one, and then Adrian would be another. Who oh. I, I might amaze you, <laughs> given that I know you lot loathe him. Well, not maybe that's a bit harsh, but I know you don't have much time for him. Uh, or do you? I mean, where where's Adrian? Is the, the no. just... I think he gets some credit because of the Super Cup he, appearance he made. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I think apart from that, he's been pretty much terrible for us. So I think... No, I mean, oh, it's such it's a heartbreak. Because this might surprise you, some of your listeners, the Liverpool fans that are listening, because he, for us, it, it, it's almost like the diametric opposite trajectory, right? So he is beloved by West Ham fans. He was brilliant for us. A, complete cult hero like again we realized UK is not the best goalkeeper in the world but he was he had some such big performance he loved the club through and through he gave everything uh he also is a complete coincidental point my Spanish team is Real Betis and one of the reasons why is we went to Seville as a family and went to see Sevilla at the start of the holiday and then all week all around the town everywhere we went this bar guy here this waiter here this guy here in the show saying Sevilla we're thinking okay and the Seville game was fine it was nice you know it's a it's a nice stadium and um oh did I cut out then I think I might have yeah I think there's a little bit of a little bit of a delay yeah um so I was uh I was saying that all the everywhere we went everyone was a Betis fan and we're thinking was no one a Sevilla fan we went to the Sevilla game and it was all right you know it was a nice stadium and we went to the Betis game on the second last night of the holiday and it was um I mean just a proper atmosphere, and it was—I mean—an unbelievable night. Paul Lopez was the better keeper at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. At the end of the game, like we were sitting quite near the front, and my kids ran down to the front, and we'd been pretty much parallel to him in the second half. And both my kids are goalkeepers like me, and um, uh, and so we're cheering everything he's doing. He saved the penalty in the game, and the kids were like really like uh, you know. And he kept, you know, looking over, looking over. And at the end of the game, they ran down as he's walking off. They're like, pow, pow, pow. Came over and gave them his gloves. And I thought, oh, wow. you legend, you legend, Paul Lopez. So, love Betis. And Adrian played for Betis as well. Yeah. So, I mean, he's also a cult hero there, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I love Adrian. And it's, I'm sorry that he's not um, had a better time for you lot, because he is a good guy. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did, he, when I think early on in the season, uh, Alisson did get injured I think he played quite a few games because of that and I think mm. he'll always be you know part of that team was that won the league for the first time in 30 years I think he's always got that mm. but it, he has made some terrible errors look at the Atletico Madrid Champions League game the Chelsea FA Cup game he just seems to well whenever I see him he seems to make a terrible mistake it does feel like a bit like Julian Dix in terms of the West Ham and Liverpool comparison he's Dixie, yeah, Julian Dix yeah yeah. yeah yeah right but he's not not regarded by you no, I mean, again, before my time, my dad, uh, who's also mm. a Liverpool fan, um, mm. has told me how, how bad he was at Liverpool compared to his time at West Ham. Yeah, where I he, mean, he's an absolute, he's like one of the all-time greats yeah, at West Ham. And he was, you know, the Terminator, is his nickname. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, brilliant. Love, love Dixie. So, yeah, I get, get it. I get it, you know. And, look, it's a tough opposition keeper, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you would know. <laughs> we, never get, we never get the credit. Uh, I mean, Alisson makes a few howlers, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. Why does he not... get away with it? Yeah, I think Alison's got a lot more, a lot more leeway than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair yeah. enough. Right, so I did ask you before the pod to give me your starting eleven. The formation is your down to you completely of the best players you've seen at the club or your oh, favourite players okay. at the club, uh, since you since you supported them. Okay, so I've got to go. I'm sketching this out. So I'm going Adrian and goal. I have to. All right, um, with an honourable mention to Shaka Hislop. Definitely Dixie at the back. I'm going. I've got to go Repka. I'm going to say um, Steve Potts with Repka. And then I'm going to say Ray Stewart. 
that's my back four. I'm playing four at the, four at the back. Then I'm going to have Declan holding just in front of them. How many have I got here now? Five. Okay. So I've got to have Stuart Slater. I've got to have... Oh, this is hard. Oh, God. I've got to have... I've got to have Billy Bonds in there. I'm going to have... I've got to have Tevez. How many? How much room have I got left? So, well, um, uh, so you got or, so far. You got Adrian Dix, Rebka Potts. Um, I forgot what the guy's name is. Left back is now. You put uh, uh, Ray Stewart. I said, yeah, um, Ray Stewart. And then you got Slater, Bits, yeah. um, Bigs. I think these players are before my time. I don't know what position uh, they are. Big, come on, Billy Bonds. Billy Bonds. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Bryce yeah. Bonds is holding midfielders. And you got Tevez. Um, at the front. So you got, got one midfielder. I'm guessing you're doing four three three. Which means you've got room for a right winger and left winger. Yeah. So, oh God, this is hard. Um, but, but, well, no, because I'm having Slater on the wing, right? So yeah, I'm going to have oh, so four four two or four three three or sure, what? This formation is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am going to have um, right. Let me think. So I've got Rice Bonds, Slater, Tevez. Put Frank Lampard into one people up. Um, um, Nigel Rio Coco, I'm putting in. Uh, he's not Ooh. particularly up by the West Ham fans. Um, I would say, well, God, I mean, it's all time West Ham 11, right? So yeah. I'm going to play three centre backs, right? So I'm going to play Bobby Moore, of course. Bobby Moore, Repka, and Steve Potts. I'm going to play Steve and Dixon. So they have to be players you've seen play. Like, New oh, do they? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. So, so Bobby Moore's out of the question. I haven't seen Ray Stewart either. Oh, this is getting this is getting tricky. Um, okay, I'm going to have... Uh, I'm going to play then. I'll play three at the back. I'll play, dangerously, a Repka, Potts, and Dix back three. <laughs> I haven't seen Billy Bonds play, but I've seen him manage. Can I have him in? Um, yeah, go on. Go on. All right. I'm saying Slater. I'm going to go. I'm going to. I want to put Bobby Zamora in because I love Bobby Zamora. So I'm going to have Zamora and Tevez up top. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to have. Um, how much more room have I got? Three at the back. So I've got two. Room for two more, right? I think you've got very Slater, the Declan Rice driver now, or am I imagining this? Yeah, I've got Rice and Bonds in there. Yeah, yeah Slater I've on the st- right. Zamora, Tevez, Adrian. You got one for one more on the left. Yeah, God, who do I want on the left there? Um, can I play players out of position? Uh, yeah, go on, why not? It's your team. Yeah, well, I'm getting it because I feel he can. You know, I think you could have put him anywhere. Well, actually, yeah, I would put. Uh, I'll have Tevez kind of roaming, and therefore I put Tony Cotty up top. And uh, I need I need a bit of balance there as well. Um, Mm-mm-mm. So is Zamora gone? It's now I'm keeping Zamora as well. I'm playing an attacking. I'm playing quite oh, a well. balanced formation here. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to see. Just looking at left because I've got Slater. I think Slater could play either side. Um, I want to say uh, the current crop. Who would I put in? That I mean, it's very very famous West Ham player you haven't mentioned yet, which I'm surprised hasn't gone into this team. Who have I missed? Um, Howard Canio. Oh, my God. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how lopsided is this team that I got to Canio? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I uh, can have one. Well, hang on. If I've got Rice and Bonds, I've got right, Declan Rice and Billy Bonds you're letting me have. So I've got Repka, Potts and Dixie as a back three. Rice mm. and Bonds, that's a solid five. De Canio and Slater. Um, Tevez, Zamora and Cotty. And then... Is that give me room for one more? One, I think you got. Two. I think I've got. I think I've got. Yeah, I've got Repka, Potts. Dick, um, I've got the other guy's name centre back, and then you got Slater, Rice, Bonds, Dix. Canio, and yeah. then oh, Dick, sorry, yeah, and then yeah, uh, Zamora, yeah. Tevez, and Cotty. I love it. What a lineup! <laughs> we're going to lose most games eight six. So I confirm that team is Adrian in goal. The back three are Thomas Repka, Potts, and Julian Dix. The midfield yeah. four are Slater, Declan Rice, Billy Bonds, and Tyler Decanio. With Can I just be clear, Rice and Bonds holding. Holding. Both <laughs> <laughs> holding. But you, you probably have Tevez or um, sort Roman. of pop back. Yeah. And yeah, sort Tevez of, um, dropping back, exactly. We're playing, yeah, we'll play, uh, yeah, Rice and Bonds, yeah, then Decanio, Tevez, and Slater, and then Zamora and Cotty up top. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, 
and I will give you Frank's team as well. He's a bit more of a modern team, considering his yeah. age. Um, he's got Fabianski, Kufau, Ogbonna, James Collins, Aaron Questwell. He's got Declan Rice, Suchek, and Dimitri Payet with uh, Tevez, oh. Canio, and Dean Ashton. Love that. Love Dean, love Dean Ashton. Uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with him a few times. He's a top bloke as well. What was his top? What was his go to the last bit again? He had who? Yeah, he's in the field with Beckham Rice, Thomas Suchek, Dimitri Payet. Yeah. The Canio, Tevez, and Ashton as the front three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good lineup. But yeah, that is very current. He's obviously, yeah, he's obviously a lot younger than I. <laughs> but, um, but I like it. I I salute that lineup. It's a good. One. It's yeah. a good. One. I, my yeah. sister's not going to let me forget that I didn't think of the Canio until. <laughs> <laughs> you reminded me. Well, I don't know whether you listened to my podcast. We did a top ten manager special, um, yeah. and I forgot about Allegri. So, uh, <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all. I mean, Sean Yeah, it certainly does. Um, so yeah, that has been the second part of our West Ham podcast. So thank you everyone for listening. Um, and I have been your host, Andy. This has been Nat Coombs, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, bud. <laughs>